contributes real resources to Pacific Island countries, but there is still much to be done. Keep listening to learn about building an inclusive tourism sector, the tourism growth nexus in Pacific Island countries, social capital in the region, and the role of crafts and souvenirs in Vanuatu and Solomon Islands. Good morning, everyone. Nisambula Vinaka, and also the warm greetings from other Pacific Islands. Uh, uh, we are going to talk on to a very important issue, looking at the tourism sector. And tourism sector, I believe, is also one of the very vital uh, sectors which also contributes to the economy and also supplements other uh, sectors like agriculture, manufacturing, and so on and so forth. So given that we are rushing through the time and we have got very interesting four presentations today. Uh, we'll start off with uh, the inclu uh, inclusive and sustainable tourism, uh, particularly applied to the case of Vanuatu. Now, just uh, some housekeeping in terms of the uh, presenters. Uh, please remember we have got 15 minutes presentation and given the the range of the uh, the questions that can come in the end, I think that would be good to have some discussions on those issues as well. So I think 15 minutes and you'll hit here one beat of the lali and then as soon as your time's up you will hear the two beat of the lali but we will keep to the you know the questions where we can discuss in the end so the first paper like i've said inclusive and sustainable tourism in Vanuatu, and this is going to be presented by adela and also warren germa and both of them come from the Vanuatu tourism office so adela all yours okay thank you very much um chair and good morning to everyone um, as introduced, my name is Adela, and I am the uh, CEO for the Vanuatu Tourism Office, and Mr. Warren Gamma, um, which you will hear from him um, as part of the presentation. He works for the Vanuatu Skills Partnership Program. Um, firstly, as part of our presentation this morning, it's uh, very focused on the inclusive and sustainable tourism in Vanuatu. Let me just get this. Okay, good, it's working. Mm -hmm. um, the tourism sector in Vanuatu, and for most of you around the room who have been to Vanuatu um, um, already, um, thank you for visiting Vanuatu. Um, tourism in Vanuatu is very important. Um, it's uh, the driving um, force behind Vanuatu's economy. Um, it sits under the Ministry of Tourism and Trade, and um, it houses two different agencies. Uh, one is the Vanuatu Tourism Office. We are responsible for destination marketing, and the other is the uh, Department of Tourism. They are more focused on policy and product development and a great support for skills development to support our SME and micro-entrepreneurs. The Vanuatu Skills Partnership is a co-investment between the governments of uh, Vanuatu and Australia, um, and is... Uh, and has developed over time our uh, national skill system to support um, inclusive and sustainable um, economic growth. Um, it's a partnership, as mentioned earlier, between the um, Department of Tourism, the Vanuatu Tourism Office, and uh, the Vanuatu Skills um, Partnership. It has delivered a successful skills development program over the years, um, about five to six years, and has transformed a lot of the outer islands of um, um, operators who are working in throughout the Aka, Aki um, Pelago of Vanuatu. So as you can see from the map here, Vanuatu is um, shaped as a letter Y. If you see our national flag, it has a letter Y. Um, Vanuatu is also um, reorganized into six provinces, the provinces of Toba, um, Sanma, Penama, Malampa, Shefa, ending, and ending off with Tafia in the southern province of uh, Vanuatu. 
So let's just take a briefly a look at the overview of the sector of tourism in Vanuatu, uh, both looking at A and cruise arrivals uh, from 2002 to 2017. Um, tourism, as mentioned earlier in Vanuatu, is comprised of both um, um, foreign direct investors, um, uh, specifically in the major hotels and resorts um, based in Port Vila as the capital of Vanuatu and also in Luganville in Santo, which is known as uh, the next town in Vanuatu. Um, we also have a range of other small, medium and micro entrepreneurs, uh, mostly owned by local operators uh, dispersed throughout the country, um, owning accommodations and tours and activities uh, businesses. Um, our core markets is Australia, uh, which is about 67% of our market, followed on by New Zealand and New Caledonia. So we have three um, core markets in Vanuatu um, that support our tourism industry. Between the period of 2004 to 2014, we have seen an increase in um, the sector. So you would have seen in the graph there, um, blue representing our Avis arrivals and our cruise tourism arrival at, at red. Um, since 2015, after the devastating impact of uh, TCPAM, um, we have uh, lost significant um, um, revenue from uh, um, how the economy was, was growing. So at a, um, uh, a rate of 64% uh, of GDP. So in 2015, um, a lot of uh, damage was done to our uh, uh, the tourism industry, therefore impacting on the growth of the, the sector. Historically, tourism in Vanuatu has been focused on the flip and flop, um, which more or less means the typical um, hotel visit um, travelers who come in for familiar experience looking at sipping a cocktail, um, sleeping um, by the poolside, or even having a beach experience. Um, however, we have done some research end of 2017, and our recent market research has now suggested that there's an opportunity to relook at our niche markets, I'm looking at soft adventure, ecotourism, and also cultural tourism, which is something that throughout the islands of Vanuatu um, is available and evident, and it's something that we are now focused on working with our partners to actually promote that as a, um, niche experiences and um, something that um, we want to um, promote Vanuatu as a destination for um, diverse experiences um, for the um, consumers. Tourism in Vanuatu is no longer just uh, simply Port Vila. Uh, we have a beautiful country, so therefore it's about sharing the elements and benefits to the, um, um, to the greater um, islands um, of Vanuatu to our visitors. It is obviously a critical um, component of inclusive and sustainable tourism, and we want to um, start decentralizing um, direct benefits of uh, tourism to um, Greater Vanuatu so that our communities and smaller um, and medium entrepreneurs uh, can benefit from the growth of the industry. In Vanuatu, we have a saying that says, um, tourism hemi business blow you me everyone, or tourism is everybody's business. Um, this is because just looking at um, the chart here, you can um, see that uh, the sector um, itself, uh, the value chain is quite uh, wide and it includes both direct and indirect uh, service <coughs> providers such as tours, accommodation, as well as uh, other complementary um, businesses such as farmers, um, talking about taxi and bus drivers, furniture makers from throughout the islands, 
provide an um, they have an opportunity to actually produce furniture and supply our hotels and resorts. So that linkage is very evident and it's very important. So um, we have used this local tagline, tourism and business for everyone, because it is the interest of everyone. It's about the government's commitment. It's about uh, giving recognition for the um, private sector um, to the industry, but it's also about linking other sectors and partners. So therefore, it becomes everyone's business. Um, the important emphasis also is about um, skills development. So without investing in education, in training, in skills development, <coughs> Um, we would not be able to grow uh, um, an industry um, such as tourism. So through this value chain, there are opportunities for local entrepreneurship throughout um, the development of micro, medium businesses. And in the last three years, we've been now introducing new programs and partners into this value chain. It's about agritourism. It's about strengthening our cultural tourism aspect. It's also about working in the fields of ecotourism, so working more um, effectively with the Department of um, de excuse me, Department of Environment and Conservation, to be able to um, link in the values of uh, um, sustainable tourism. So it's about relooking at our um, SDGs also. Um, despite the growth in visitor arrival numbers. Um, as a sector, we also have challenges. Um, this morning, uh, we heard about some of the challenges in the um, sugarcane uh, industry here in Fiji. For Vanuatu tourism, it's also the same. Um, looking short term, is we had TC Pam in 2015. And then in April 2016, we had a runway um, issue with our Baofil Airport. So that's the international gateway for um, entry into Vanuatu. So we had an issue. Um, with a runway, and that automatically had a devastating impact on the credibility of Vanuatu as a destination in our core markets. Um, we are in recovery phase, so it's about restoring back that market confidence. So in the short term, that's one of our major challenge. In the long term, it's about infrastructure and access to outer islands. Uh, I mentioned earlier about decentralization. Um, the need to actually build um, proper and appropriate infrastructures to help decentralize the economic benefits to our smaller operators in the islands is obviously, uh, obviously a challenge, but something that the government is committed and working with the industry. It's about connectivity also from our national airline to be able to disperse and provide affordable, cheaper um, airfares to push out the traffic into the outer islands also. One thing is about marketing of our outer island um, um, tourism. Many of our operators feel that as a bungalow um, business, um, you build your bungalow and expect that, yes, the tourists are going to come because I have a great product here. It's something new. It's part of the niche. Um, obviously, the tourists are going to come. doesn't work that way. It's about skills development. It's about empowering that particular um, operator. Um, so we are now um, developing um, new training programs to be able to educate um, the small and medium micro-entrepreneurs to actually understand that marketing of your um, business, of your product, of your experience, uh, experiences is part of the bigger experience, but um, it's very important to actually empower and train and, and build more skills development to support our, our island tourism operators. Um, just looking at what we've been doing in terms of skills development, so Vanuatu Skills Partnership has been one of our major partners, uh, as mentioned earlier. So um, what I'm showing up on screen is actually um, part of the um, process that we have used over time. 
um, like any other productive sectors, uh, agriculture, um, handicraft, um, tourism is not actually a cultural practice. Um, good hospitality is something that uh, we have over time ingrained into our society, the expectations of different visitor um, and tourist groups, um, particularly um, regarding time management is something that um, differs uh, dramatically. So like you hear in the last uh, couple of days, Fiji time, we also have Vanuatu time and we have Pacific time. Um, so we say, yes, it's, uh, the meeting will start at 9, we start at 9.30. Um, that's something that as part of the training and expectations that um, we train our operators, it's about the visitors want this to be delivered at a certain expectation, at a certain time frame. Um, it's something that culturally you try to get the local operator to understand that, yes, the um, Vanuatu time is here, but in terms of providing a good quality service to your tourists is something that you have to um, deliver on this side. So um, a lack of understanding on relevant skills and knowledge is uh, a major barrier for our small and, and um, um, local operators. The Ministry of Tourism have identified a range of skills and training um, needs along with the life cycle of actually um, developing a business. So as you would see up on screen, it's about getting our operators um, to start off exploring the um, opportunity for developing their skill sets and start moving on from there and then complying to um, the Vanuatu Tourism Minimum um, Operator Standards. Um, in the last three years, we have established these particular sets of um, criteria to guide our local operators to be able to know that these are the key um, standards that as a um, accommodation operator or a tours and activities operator, you need to be able to meet the minimum requirements um, to be able to be um, certified to become an accredited tourism operator. Um, so we have invested a lot um, in our standards in the last three years. Um, we are now working globally with um, Global Sustainable Tourism Council to actually start to um, we um, got, uh, we've got uh, three minutes or so about. I think yeah. I, will, I will hand it off to my colleague Warren to just round it off. Thank That's, you. Thank you, Adela. Thank you, Adela. Um, the Fernando Skills Partnership um, is, uh, plays an important role in facilitating uh, um, skills development for uh, an inclusive uh, private sector growth. As Adela mentioned, tourism sector is a major driver in the in Vanuatu <laughs> with the much uh, needed uh, need for uh, skills and training. And so we work very closely with the Ministry of Tourism to um, provide, to develop uh, skills development and uh, in, so that we can increase uh, employment opportunities and uh, education pathway for the in SMEs and labor mobility. Um, so basically how that's done is uh, through um, the contextualized uh, planned delivery. Mm -hmm. um, where we go on site, uh, we do we do short courses to to to, to deliver training to those uh, SMEs, to tourism operators. Uh, we also mainstream activities um, to support uh, gender equity, disability inclusion, and climate change action through our authentic partnership with the Department of Tourism, the Fund of Tourism Office, and Provincial Government. We uh, support the existing structures of the system to um, ensure the skills deliver reaches the tourism businesses in the rural areas and uh, to ensure the sustainable, uh, inclusive way of the, that will impact economic uh, growth. We also support the strength of um, market access, such as uh, online marketing and international wholesalers. And um, we um, work with private sectors 
and other donors to um, ensure effective coordination and facilitation to enable environment of both demand and supply of skills development. And um, throughout this process, we ensure the activities are coordinated and led by the national government, the national and the provincial uh, partners, and uh, we support the, them with professional um, development <coughs> needed. So this is some of the examples of what we, through the integrated methodology, that's what basically what we do. So Shea Maureen, that's one of um, uh, Frida, she's from up north on Toroba. Mm -hmm. She has a dream to develop a tourism product just like that. Mm -hmm. So um, in 2015, we started giving her skills development and uh, training and um, getting her through the process to understand the market. And then uh, in 2017, she came up with two uh, private uh, on-suite bungalows. And um, that's, just for your information, this is one of the provinces up north with very um, limited access to, um, you know, in, 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 with the limited access and, and, and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, we, we also work with, we also give her, um, like Adela mentioned earlier, uh, some skills development and training in terms of making her own, doing own marketing. And also we work with her to promote her, her property through um, the provincial um, travel centers. Um, and at the moment, she's currently uh, one of the properties or the products that we use as a, as a package for tourists traveling up north to visit the Turpa province. And uh, this is, you know, the industry recognized um, her efforts and the service that she provided. And last month, um, she was awarded the that's the, the winner of the uh, island style mm -hmm. bungalow for the 2017-2018 and that's you know she's been recognized through the hard work that she's been doing and through skills training um, she um, built herself confidently to to that stage would you conclude um, and, to, and to conclude, um, we just wanted to also inform everyone that it's about um, inclusive, um, accessible tourism. So on um, Warren, um, right here, we have Frida here. Um, Frida is one of our success stories because she is now um, pursuing a Bachelor of Tourism and Commerce here at USB. Um, it's about inclusive and accessible tourism, and we've recently just uh, included that as part of the uh, destination website, www.vonot.travel, to start um, providing information to visitors that it's about accessible, providing opportunities to other consumers and travelers to Vanuatu. Um, you can find information information where for the um, accessible market, where you can actually stay, what activities you can actually do. So um, we are proud that we are now introducing and, and integrating this as part of our um, program in Vanuatu. Okay. Thank you very much, Adele and uh, Varan. Uh, we will take the questions in the end, so we'll keep the questions, your one question uh, for the later. Um, next presentation is on uh, tourism growth nexus in the Pacific country, and this is a study on financial inclusion and ICT. However, this was supposed to be presented by Kashmir Makun from Fiji National University. However, he was not is not able to uh, be here, so in in his place, Janish is going to present. So, Janish, if you will take that and uh, go from there. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, so um, there's a lot has been written in terms of the tourism industry 
and it has been widely agreed that the tourism industry is quite important for uh, Fiji and the other Pacific Island countries, particularly as a source of foreign exchange, uh, employment creation. And over the last 15 years or so, uh, there has been a large number of studies being done to look at the impact of tourism on the economic growth. A lot of studies have actually used computable general model, and there have been also studies done on, in a partial equilibrium framework. So the new thing about this study is to look at the, the, the role played by financial inclusion in ITC. Okay? So what role these two uh, factors play in terms of the, the tourism growth nexus. So that's the, the new thing these studies have, this particular study has done. <coughs> so this is more of an applied uh, economics paper where the, the authors have resorted to uh, non-stationary panel method uh, to look at the, the effect of uh, the, the two variables, okay, ITC and the other one, on the tourism growth nexus, which is quite, quite interesting because of the increase uh, investment, the interest the, the policymakers have shown in terms of investing in the ITC sector. So it is of interest whether the government, when the government is investing so much money in the ITC sector, whether that enhances the, the role tourism plays. Uh, as far as the economic growth is concerned. So uh, tourism has been quite important for the Pacific Island countries as far as the alleviation of poverty is concerned, improving uh, consumption level, okay? And then we have the, the ITC sector, which can be quite uh, important. In fact, it can enhance the role the tourism sector plays uh, for an economy. For instance, uh, it can facilitate faster international travel and hotel booking, you know? can make online booking, compare fares, all through a mobile phone. And of course, ITC overcomes hurdles of density, distance, and division. So ITC can really enhance the, the, the role that the tourism sector plays as far as the economic growth is concerned. So one of the key findings of this particular study okay, is that ITC and financial sector development plays quite significant role um, as far as the relationship between tourism and economic growth is concerned. So if you look at the literature on tourism and economic growth in context of Fiji, a lot of studies have been done, okay, and most studies have come to the consensus that tourism is quite important for economic growth, okay. And the new thing which this study has done, this study has extended in context of uh, Pacific Island country, and they've tried to look at the role played by ITC and financial sector development. Right, so these things are fairly known. Um, tourist arrivals are of two kinds, regular tourists, and then you have the cruise, uh, cruise ship passengers, right? So if you look at the, the data on tourism earning and, and uh, tourist arrivals, okay? So the study focuses on five countries, uh, Fiji, Samoa, Solomon Islands, Tonga, and, and Vanuatu, okay? So there seems to be quite a bit of variation, but for all economies, you see an important role played by the tourism sector, particularly if you're looking at the tourism earnings as a percentage of GDP for Solomon Islands, okay, uh, for Tonga, uh, for Fiji, and Samoa, the percentage uh, as of GDP is quite significant. Right, so if you're looking at the ITC element of this particular study, the ITC contributes to easy and faster booking, okay? It allows hotels and the resorts to advertise 
their rooms, their services, okay, uh, on a much broader uh, platform, okay. And then you have the, the financial inclusion as well, uh, increased usage of mobile phone, uh, mobile banking and easy access to banks, okay. You can make payments through your mobile phones, okay. So, if you're looking at the different indicators, okay, I think the, the issue here is we don't have time series data on different ITC indicators, I would say from 1980s or 1970s. So for this particular reason, the study uh, uses data, okay, uh, for the period 2000-2014, okay, and much of the ITC data has been extracted from world development indicators, okay. So if you go to world development indicators and you look for time series data on ITC, from 1980 or 1970, you wouldn't get it, okay? Now, since you have a, a shorter uh, period of data, the, 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 the traditional option in applied econometric is to pull the data, okay? So you have five countries, you, you pull the data, and then you, you try to resort to non-stationary panel uh, methods, okay? So, the advantage here is you actually increase the power of the cointegration test. Now, the number of things here, one is to look at whether there's a long-run relationship uh, between the variables, okay? And then you'd want to be, you want to look at the long-run coefficient. In other words, looking at the, the impact of these variables on economic growth in the long run, okay? So, first of all, we need here to verify the, the presence of uh, uh, co-integrating relationship. Of course, the, the, the various uh, panel unit root methods can be used to identify whether the, the order of integration of variables are basically the same, okay? So we have a, a, very, a very basic or a parsimonious uh, specification. Uh, so we have GDP per capita as a function of per capita capital stock, uh, tourism measured by uh, number of tourist arrivals, and then you have uh, uh, ITC indicator which is measured by seller subscription and then you have an indicator for financial sector development. So we have two specifications okay and in both specifications you see ITC and broad money okay but the difference here lies in the second specification where you have an interactive term okay. The interactive term if you look at it equation number two where you are uh, having an interactive effect, okay, we're trying to test an interactive effect between uh, tourist arrivals and ITC. So here we are concerned about whether the ITC sector interacts with the tourism sector and positively influences uh, economic growth. Okay, so that's the basis on which this interactive term has been included. Right, so so after, uh, after finding the order of integration, we can resort to uh, Pedroni's co-integration test. It's well known in the in the panel literature. And if you look at the law values of the, the probability, okay, that uh, highly indicates that we can uh, conclude the, pre the presence of a co-integrating relationship, okay, co-integrating uh, relationship between the variables. In other words, these variables share a meaningful uh, long-run relationship. So once, once we are able to establish, OK, 
okay, the, the, the variables in equation 1 and 2, okay, in particular equation 2, they're co-integrated, they have a long-run relationship, you'd want to estimate the long-run impact, okay, and that's where we look at table uh, 13, okay, okay, uh, so if you look at the results, okay, now we are primarily interested in the interactive term, okay, because we want to see whether tourism interacts with ITC sector and positively influences economic growth, okay. So one of the key observations that you can make here, ITC alone, okay, okay, ITC alone, okay, the size of the coefficient, okay, the size of the coefficient is quite small, okay, and it's not so significant, but if you look at the interactive term, okay, if you look at the interactive term, okay, uh, the size of the coefficient is quite high, 0 0.15, and the T value seems to be statically significant, okay, I think there's some, some things need to be changed from this P value, but the point here is that the, the ITC sector positively interacts with the, the tourism sector and positively influences economic growth, okay? So when you look at the, the role of ITC on its own, on economic growth, you find ITC on its own has a very weak impact, okay? It has positive impact, but the impact is weak on economic growth. But when ITC combines, combines with the tourism sector, it has a stronger impact. So in this case, the, the IT sector enhances the role of uh, tourism sector in economic growth. Okay, now this is this is based on a panel analysis. Okay, so you might have to be careful when you're trying to draw out individual country uh, conclusions. You know, it can be very difficult because there is one line of argument in the panel data literature that when you're pulling countries together, okay, it might improve the power of the panel unit root and co-integration test. But what holds true for a panel might not hold for individual country now. We're looking at Pacific Island countries, you might say Fiji has a much bigger share in terms of tourism, but still the results would be the fairly the, the same, okay? So as a whole, we find that for these Pacific Island countries, okay, uh, the tourism sector combined with the ITC sector, okay, has a much stronger impact on economic growth, which seems to support the government's investment in the ITC sector. Such such investment will enhance the role of of uh, tourism sector in economic growth. Right. So tourism arrival and ITC acts as a complement to each other. So quite important. And one of the other things uh, the the authors have done here is to try to compute the threshold level of ITC, which amounts to around sixty three percent. Okay. So that's that's an important value. Again, that's at a panel level, okay, at individual country level, you might might have a different uh, different value. Now, it, it may not be really very much reliable at this stage to look at individual country analysis because you don't have uh, time series data for ITC for more than 30, 40 years. So at best, we can work with the, the value that we get from the, the panel estimate. Right. So tourism uh, stimulates economic growth in the Pacific Island countries through ITC development. Okay. Okay. So from the policy perspective, it's quite uh, essential to emphasize that uh, financial sector development in tourism are essential drivers of output growth. Okay. 
Okay, so uh, the investment which the, the government seems to be making in the ITC sector could be quite important as far as in enhancing the role the tourism sector plays. Yeah, so that that would be it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Janesh. Uh, once again, uh, keep the questions uh, going into your in your mind, and we'll come back to the questions uh, later after the other two presentations as well. Um, the next presentation is on social capital in the Pacific, and this is actually a village-level focus. So two tribes and a resort in the case of Fiji. And this is going to be presented by Api uh, Solomone and uh, Solomone Monovono. And we're looking forward to looking at actual grassroots application from the big economy picture to the grassroots level of the sectoral impact of tourism. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. <coughs> Thank you, Chair. Good morning, everyone. I hope uh, we're all doing um, all right. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Api. You can call me Api. I've been called uh, many things. My name is misspelled, uh, uh, not only at overseas conferences, but local ones as well. Oh. So I guess I'm in, uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in a good space. Uh, today, it is my uh, pleasure to share with you uh, the findings of my research and uh, perhaps spin a tale of a resort, uh, two tribes and a village in Fiji to highlight the importance of social capital uh, within the communities of the South Pacific. Uh, just a brief overview. Uh, I will uh, highlight the background of this study and uh, share some insights on the exact study area the particular case study community before highlighting some of the key concepts which uh, have been used to inform this study. I will also highlight some of the uh, unique methods employed uh, in uh, gathering data for this research before highlighting the findings and perhaps making some useful conclusions and recommendations for the future. My study is set on the island of Vitilevo. Uh, that's where the island that we're on at the moment. Uh, but uh, the study is focused along the coral coast of Fiji. Mm -hmm. It is Fiji's, uh, one of Fiji's oldest tourism regions, and it is where resort-based tourism was pioneered in the 1950s with the construction of the Coral Level Resort and Hotel. Uh, the Coral Coast receives uh, almost 20% of our visitor arrivals into the country, and today, it is uh, one of the most diverse tourism regions in terms of the types of products. In the Coral Coast, it's where you will find homestays, village stays, as well as your five-star resorts, your little surf shacks, etc., etc. So it's a, it's a unique space when it comes uh, to tourism, and uh, which, is why, which is what drew me to this particular community. Uh, my relatives and people from this province ask me, why have you come? Why are you here? Well, uh, it's my curiosity to learn more about how indigenous communities change, adapt and develop. It is what drew me to this particular region. And the case study community is much uh, like most along the coral coast of Fiji. Uh, the resorts normally sit on land which are leased from uh, the landowning units or Matangali. For this particular case study, Vatolalai village on uh, your bottom left, 
um, is comprised of uh, around 34 households, uh, which equates to around 230 people. The village is divided into two tribes, uh, which consist of a clan each. <coughs> so literally, uh, the village is comprised of two clans, uh, but on paper, it's, uh, it's quite different, and I'll show you later. Clan A owns land on which the resort, Navit Resort, a four-and-a-half-star, all-inclusive, uh, uh, relatively large-scale resort sits. Clan A receives exclusive uh, land lease benefits and other benefits that come by way of the resort. Clan B, although also owning land, uh, does not own land or receive land lease payments directly uh, from the resort, but they receive benefits indirectly um, in terms of employment, uh, opportunities to business and further on. So with the close proximity of the community to the resort, you can imagine why uh, an island boy from all the way in Burundi would be curious uh, to learn about this community in Nandronga. But to give you some perspective, the resort is literally right next to the community. So you can imagine the many complex social, ecological changes that have occurred over the course of 50 or 60 years in this particular area. And, you know, this highlights... Uh, some of the key reasons why I undertook this particular study to understand more about how people change and adapt to tourism development. So for this particular paper, uh, we draw on knowledge from two key uh, bodies of literature, namely the uh, com complex adaptive systems theory and social capital theory. Mm -hmm. With complex adaptive systems theory, for you scientists in the room, uh, this would be very familiar for you because uh, the term has its roots in ecology and the natural sciences. And um, this is one of the first studies in the Pacific where we've actually come and used complex adaptive systems theory to conceptualize communities. More often, indigenous communities in Fiji and the Pacific are often referred to as you know, uh, simple uh, communities living the simple life, but it's far from that. It's uh, never farther from the truth because communities have a complex set or a complex web of interconnected and interacting entities within that one community, whether it's a political entity, whether it's a social, cultural, or economic entity. Within one community, uh, we have a unique set of interrelated components. And based on complex adaptive systems theory, it's characterized by what's termed as panicky, which simply means changes introduced in one part of the system can have the influence to change the entire system or have multiple changes within the system. So really changes or development or tourism in general isn't as you know, straightforward when you look at it. It's, it's quite complex, as I now like to put it. Um, we also draw on social capital theory uh, with its seminal work uh, drawn from Bourdieu uh, and later Coleman and Putnam. And there's a huge following uh, behind this theory. And simply what it means is that capital exists in various forms. Uh, excuse me, uh, my fellow uh, economists and accountants, uh, it's not all about the money, uh, but you know that different forms of capital exist. And for us in the Pacific, this is true. We not only have financial capital, but we have cultural capital. We have 
traditional knowledge as capital. We have uh, different forms of capital and in this particular paper I look at and examine uh, um, social capital. So social capital you know, considers, uh, is considered as a means to attain livelihood. Uh, social capital networks depend on the scope of network connections and it can be used as a means to attain development. So with that in the bag, uh, that knowledge, uh, you know, the theory, the literature is out there, what then do we do to address this? So what I did was I bundled a specific bundle of methods to suit the complex nature of this indigenous community. So what I did was I employed an ethnographic postmodernist approach, which literally, you know, just meant you jump in, you immerse yourselves, you engage with the community, build trust over time, you live as a villager and converse in order to harness truths. And this is particularly important in the Pacific because for us in Fiji, and I'm sure it's true with my one talks uh, from Vanuatu, you ask somebody, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. What do you reckon uh, things are going to, oh, it's going to be great. But you sit down for a while, have a few, uh, I would say a cup of tea, but uh, bowls of kava, uh, and then you'd harness more genuine responses. So immersion and ethnographic work was essential in gathering data that informed this particular study. So why employed predominantly uh, conservation, uh, conversational types of interviews with you know, op open, semi-structured, talanoa types conducted at various levels within the community. So this indigenous approach allowed us to access rich historical data. And the findings were quite interesting. It confirmed many things. It confirmed, like, like many uh, communities in the South Pacific, uh, indigenous Fijians have a unique set of embedded elements that connect people to nature and each other through traditional knowledge, customs, livelihoods, activities, and observance of specific cultural values. The notion of solo solivaki, or really just holding hands and working together. This is embedded within indigenous cultures across the world, not just in the Pacific, but in Asia, in different parts of the world. And it's built on reciprocity, communalism, and features prominently in the social relations. Um, and considered as a primary source of wealth. And this is what's referred to as social capital. Social capital, community, and kinship relations are therefore essential for development, fulfilling cultural obligations, and in determining the structure and strength of the community over time. So, what did we find out? Okay, I've uh, got two uh, diagrams that I'd like to show excuse me, which demonstrates the social capital setting over time. Uh, so the pre-tourism setting, because uh, both um, Yavusa or... So on the left, you have Matangali A or Clan A or Tribe A, Yavusa A and Yavusa B. Note that one later uh, leased their land. So in before the 1970s, this was the situation. Both had access to same opportunities. There was little disparity and there was high social capital at the upper bands of the community. So top down, there was high social capital, high social interactions, a lot of goodwill, trust, respect, unity, collective action, reciprocity. But upon the introduction of tourism, 
and different forms of uh, uh, benefits, disparities emerge and what, oh no, sorry, sorry. ITSUSP, thank you. Yeah, we'll oh, thank you, start, yeah. so better keep it to the small, yeah, keep it to that, yeah. As they say in the World Cup, time off, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, let's see how we can get this up. It's the current slide. Mm. It, it always happens to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's, Okay, thank you. We've got an expert here. We did that, yeah. Uh, okay, I think stick to this. And okay, okay. We, we are still able to here. see it quite well. Okay, no worries. I think we can, we can, uh, please bear with me. Um, so, pre-tourism setting. Everyone's happy, everyone's together. There's community solidarity. And then you have one clan receiving three minutes receiving exclusive benefits mm. so what has happened is the old system of social capital has somewhat collapsed so people have retreated into their smaller groups to then work collectively or solo solibaki to to attain uh, uh, you know wealth or development so i guess the key lesson here uh, and and if you want to learn more, there's a paper in the Asia Pacific Journal of Tourism Research on on this topic. Um, I guess you know just to conclude, tourism development, although not as sudden or abrupt as other perturbations, as a cyclone perhaps, it it is profound in its ability to stimulate long-term structural changes within society. It it you know the the changes observed in this village although not necessarily direct, directly linked to having a job at a hotel, mm. uh, although these are important too, but they are of uh, an indirect nature in that the whole system of livelihoods, mm. culture, tradition, and identity changes. And with it, the shifts in social capital. So I guess there needs to be a, an establishment of internal development structures and implement more uh, traditional indigenous knowledge within village institutions. But I guess um, ultimately the findings of this particular study shows that money alone does not create development, but rather tourism and access to a variety of capital does. I hope you enjoyed uh, the presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much, Afi. Uh, we'll take the questions in the end. And I think it was very interesting to see from the macro perspective of tourism, and now we saw the micro perspective of tourism. And the next paper again is looking at also from the uh, grassroots level of micro perspective. And of course, uh, it's going to be presented by Alexander Trapp. And he's going to talk about tourism and the role of uh, crafts, souvenirs in Vanuatu and Solomon Islands. So, Alexander?
Okay, yeah, thank you and uh, welcome to the last presentation of this uh, fascinating panel mm -hmm. where I will talk about the role of uh, handicrafts and uh, souvenirs in uh, two Melanesian countries that feature quite different uh, stages mm -hmm. of uh, tourism development. Uh, let me first of all briefly clarify a little bit on the terminology. We often interchangeably use the terms uh, handicrafts and uh, souvenirs. Uh, literature points to the difference, where the uh, first one handicrafts uh, refer to items or devices that are made by hand or make use of uh, rather simple tools and in most of the cases are not part of mass uh, manufactured production. A few of the examples we can see here on the uh, an image, one of the photos at one of the markets in Port Villa. We see the tam-tam wooden sculptures uh, in the back, uh, different uh, weaving products of uh, pandanos, others uh, made of coconut leaf, for instance, for heads, beds, bags, baskets, and so on. On the other hand, uh, the souvenir category, uh, mostly mass uh, manufactured, uh, do not necessarily uh, reflect uh, local identity of the destination uh, as we can see here with the images that are sold at the uh, wharf market in uh, Port Villa and it can be stated that uh, for most producers and consumers they have a minor or for some no emotional attachment at all. All right, the uh, literature, especially the academic literature, is uh, quite uh, rich on uh, highlighting uh, positive and more critical aspects of uh, crafts and tourism, um, crafts and souvenirs in the tourism context. On the positive side, we can see that people, uh, as also my colleague Api mentioned, make use of their cultural and uh, social capital, uh, not only the financial one, and they're able to, to carve out their own niches uh, within the tourism industry, which then transforms social and cultural capital into economic capital in the form of income uh, generation or employment. Also from an uh, urban development perspective, and we learned yesterday that urbanization is uh, strongly on the rise throughout the Pacific Island uh, countries, uh, the people, their products and uh, these markets can have a positive impact as it further contributes to what we may call ethnic flair, diversity or a more interesting place of uh, consumption. Finally, uh, studies from uh, several transforming or developing countries' contexts also showed that an outsider's uh, tourist interest uh, for, for arts, for crafts, for the production techniques uh, can uh, revive such uh, cultural uh, processes and also help enhance regional and local identities. That's the positive side, right? The more critical uh, ones would say that uh, many of these businesses are part of an informal sector that uh, also experiences disadvantaged of not being uh, protected. Uh, in other countries we hear about evictions of street vendors, uh, for instance. As uh, most of these businesses are rather small scale, uh, some would also argue that the uh, trickle-down and uh, uh, multiplier effects are often rather limited. This is especially the case uh, where dealing with uh, imported uh, products, uh, as we saw of many of the uh, souvenir pictures from beforehand. Another uh, critical uh, issue in terms of cultural impact 
is the one and maybe you made similar uh, observations. I found quite similar uh, souvenirs in Bali, in Bangkok and in Port Villa. Some of the uh, souvenirs look uh, quite the same. So that's what we call uh, McDonaldization. Mm, okay. You know, if all the products, uh, no matter where we are, we don't really know mm. where they're coming from. Okay, so um, against this background, I um, uh, investigated uh, further into these uh, crafts and uh, souvenirs in the context of Vanuatu and Solomon Islands. Just a, a brief uh, comparison of the tourism context. <coughs> you can see that the Solomon Islands, in terms of international tourist arrivals, actually belong to the uh, least visited countries worldwide with a record of only 22,000 uh, visitors. Uh, Vanuatu, on the other hand, both in terms of uh, air arrivals and uh, cruise ship arrivals, uh, the most recent data, data our colleague presented earlier on, features four times uh, more uh, visitors. Uh, overall, Vanuatu is also more uh, economically dependent on the travel and tourism uh, sector. Culture plays uh, generally a big uh, role for both countries. However, according to the International Visitor uh, Survey, the natural environment uh, for divers, for instance, the volcanic landscapes, the impressive ones in Vanuatu are even more important than uh, the cultural levels. And both capital cities mainly are due to their location as main uh, port and uh, airport of access are also the most visited ones in both countries. So um, what I'm uh, currently doing, I'm uh, trying to classify the existing uh, markets and shops in both countries according uh, to their uh, product and to which level they are mainly offering uh, local or imported uh, products. And what we can see here uh, for Port Villa that uh, until recently there was only one market that strictly focused on local products. And now I think it was uh, end of last year, right, when the new Port Villa Handicraft uh, market located, we now have a, uh, a second one. Uh, the other places where you find strictly uh, local regional products and the museum shop are those that are supported by associations and one or two shops that are dealing with uh, original uh, so-called tribal art or reproductions uh, of such. Then we find a number of um, Blended um, shops and uh, markets, uh, meaning they do have both imported and local products. But the by far biggest uh, market that only operates on cruise ship days, uh, I would say is offering 90% or more of imported uh, souvenir products. And on uh, cruise ship days, you will find more than uh, up to 150 of such stalls. Also, when you uh, walk around the uh, main road of uh, Port Villa, you will come across uh, several smaller souvenir shops, and most of them uh, have imported products. I also spotted uh, this one, which is very familiar from me uh, in Thailand. And no joke, uh, a tourist next to me, and I don't think he was joking, was asking me, oh, I didn't know they also have elephants here. <laughs> um, by the way, I'm uh, from Austria, and in our souvenir shops, you will find T-shirts, uh, featuring kangaroos, <laughs> but below we write, we do not have kangaroos in Austria. No. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, back to uh, South Pacific and uh, Onyara, as you see here, the big uh, difference uh, compared to Port Villa is that uh, you do not find uh, any shop that is purely focusing on imported uh, products. Uh, I can say all 
of the markets or shops either have a strict uh, focus on local products uh, and artworks or uh, a blended one. Mm. But this uh, rich uh, culture coming from Malaita Island in relation to uh, shell money that over the last decades has entered uh, the tourism market. Uh, there's a rich tradition in uh, carving, especially from uh, Western uh, provinces, uh, Western province and other areas that have made its way into the, uh, by many tourists and also local residents, highly valued uh, craft markets. Mm. Yeah, um, there are a number of uh, reasons uh, for these uh, differences and maybe we can gather some more opinions in the context of the discussion afterwards. But um, as I said, Port Villa features much more of this uh, imported uh, and uh, externally made uh, souvenirs. I would say this has partly to do with the type and uh, volume uh, of tourists. As also a colleague from the Department of Industry said, we would just not be able uh, to stop the import of all these souvenirs from, from Asian country. We have uh, 200,000 plus cruise ship uh, arrivals per year and uh, more than 100,000 uh, per air. So there's uh, too much demand that we can uh, source it locally uh, at the moment. Another issue is related to uh, biosecurity. Um, even though vendors have been made uh, more aware of these issues, many tourists, especially cruise ship tourists, as many of the vendors said, are very hesitant uh, to buy locally uh, lo locally made products, even though they do match the requirements as introduced on those posters. Uh, moreover, I said earlier, and that's based on uh, informal conversations with uh, tourists, it seems that the qualities of uh, crafts, especially carvings and shell uh, products, uh, has a, a higher reputation in the Solomon Islands uh, compared to Vanuatu. Yeah, in uh, when talking to the vendors, uh, both those who focus on local products and those on uh, imported, uh, it became very clear that this is quite a, a critical uh, issue, and especially those uh, the minority of vendors who focus on on, on local uh, products very uh, dislike uh, the other businesses who are dealing with imported products. They usually refer to Chinese things, so even Chinese uh, Chinatown. Uh, which they use as a, a generic term for everything that is uh, coming uh, from outside. Yeah, um, secondly, I have a few minutes. You got a few more minutes, yeah. Four minutes? Four minutes. Okay, excellent. Uh, a few more uh, words on the economic uh, impacts. In the both countries, um, we see this uh, statement, it's often cited in the literature, more than 30 years old, by Pai, stating that handicrafts are the second largest source of income after agriculture in the developing world. Um, I think we have to cri critically uh, rethink that. Uh, nevertheless, some uh, of the data here, and that's based on the uh, international visitor service that were conducted in the countries in 2014 and 16, show that the uh, average percentage of uh, 3% of tourist spendings go to the handicraft souvenir adverts work sector in uh, Vanuatu and 3% uh, for the one shopping. You see the items, unfortunately, 
of these two international visitor surveys are not the same, uh, showing mm -hmm. us that we unfortunately cannot fully compare it. Uh, generally, I think it would be good for the region if uh, Pacific Island countries use the uh, same uh, methodological design so that this kind of data can be uh, better compared across the country and uh, within the region. Yeah, income-wise, um, it's uh, interesting to see that uh, in the Solomon Islands the uh, monthly income uh, by far uh, outweighs the one in uh, Vanuatu. However, also note that this, uh, the expenses, uh, all the vendors, crafters and artists are not yet uh, deducted. So depending on the type of business, this is minus 22, 50%. Um, yeah, yet um, the picture here uh, above is the so-called National Art Gallery in Onyara. And the picture below is just behind this uh, National uh, uh, Art uh, Gallery. The products are often quite similar, but uh, no need to be a rocket scientist uh, to say that those who are inside the building have quite an uh, advantage and uh, that uh, heavy rain, which is not rare in Onyara, uh, features quite a big uh, obstacle for everyday uh, vending. Uh, yet uh, many of the vendors uh, and artists uh, deem their income that they derive from their uh, craft and uh, artist work as rather satisfactory. Yeah, we mentioned before the, already the importance of uh, cruise ship uh, tourism. I actually also conducted uh, an own uh, tourist uh, survey with tourists visiting the handicraft markets in Onyara and uh, Port Villa. Unfortunately, the data is not fully analyzed yet. Mm. What I can show you, however, is what uh, the colleagues from the IFC found out for the two uh, ports of call, Port Villa and Onyara. And uh, we see uh, that the uh, average expenditure for souvenirs in Port Villa, according to this study, is 5.5 US dollar, accruing to 8% of their overall expenditure. In Onyara, the absolute number is lower, but uh, the relative one is significantly um, higher. Yeah, um, to conclude, I was uh, introducing a part of an uh, ongoing study. So I'm in the middle of the analysis of the uh, qualitative uh, data. Um, quantitative one hopefully will be ready within the next uh, two months. And of course, the reports will be shared with the stakeholders also in uh, both uh, countries. Yeah, it became uh, rather clear that there's a significant uh, difference uh, between the two de destinations, and especially in Port Vila, we find uh, predominantly uh, imported uh, products, uh, which has uh, impacts on the economic, but also on uh, social cultural level. Another issue I could just very, very briefly touch upon, but it's uh, also proven to be very important, is the one on cultural uh, property rights and labeling, uh, label, labeling of places uh, of production. Uh, many of the products don't show where the product is coming from, so tourists uh, don't have uh, any idea about the origin and also questions, for instance, who is allowed to produce, to carve a tam-tam figure originally coming from Ambrim, who can uh, distribute and sell it. These are still questions, I think, uh, that need to be Thank you addressed. very much. Thank you. Um, that's it. Wonderful. Uh, before we go to the question, is it absolutely two minutes only for your video.
Okay, two minutes. We've got some uh, videos from Vanuatu and I think it's worth seeing it. So two minutes for that and we will go straight to the questions. Uh, and while you, is your already loaded here? So while we go to the, uh, the video, just wanted to say in terms of the economy-wise and also the micro level, that the governments want to know that whether they want to spend money on tourism, we need to do economic analysis of that. And when we do the micro level, what are some of the social capital we should develop from that? So those are the two perspectives from there, and we'll continue with our, uh, our presentation on the video from one or two. That was, I think, well worth our wait. And now we will uh, open the floor for discussion and burning questions. The participants are ready to take your questions. So, yes. Uh. Ah, oh, wonderful. Thank you. Um, Adela, I'm just interested. What, if any, particular strategies did you put in place to leverage off the value of the mini games in December from a tourism point of view? Thank you. That was a very good question. Um, 
What we had done with the uh, mini games was um, emphasized more on our domestic tourism. Um, the strategy that we use is for, I think there was about 2,000 athletes that came into Vanuatu. So we had worked with Air Vanuatu to actually develop some packages for any of the athletes if there was an opportunity for them to travel around the country. So we worked in promoting um, Santo and Tana, mm -hmm. just specifically the two destinations because of um, the flight availability for um, everyday flights going to Santo and also to Tana. So, um, interestingly, we didn't even, um, as, as part of the um, work with our Santa Travel Center and Tana Travel Center that you had just seen in the TV there, um, the small video clip is promoting um, those who were ready um, and were able to be part of the um, packaging for Santo and Tana, um, and that Evanuato was able to provide a special um, discount airfare. Unfortunately, we weren't able to track some of the numbers that how many of the athletes had eventually um, um, traveled out to the um, islands. I think the focus there was so much on getting the games that, that nobody was sort of um, looking at some of the um, data in who was actually traveling out to the islands at that time. But we had actually um, done some work with um, Evan Wado. That was a very good question. Can I ask Yes, okay. So... That was the athletes who came, but given that there was the biggest broadcast in the history of Vanuatu, um, what did you do to try and leverage on future visits because of the prominence that, the, that Vanuatu was given as a result of the game? Thank you. We had um, organised during that period also some families coming from Australia, but especially for the New Caledonia market. So during the period of the Games itself, we were featuring um, daily... Um, editorials in, um, um, I think, what was it called, um, the newspaper in, in New Caledonia. Um, our rep that was um, working in the New Caledonia market had organised a partnership with the, I uh, can't recall the name of the newspaper, but uh, we were getting um, adverts going out in the newspaper, um, enticing, uh, more specifically, the French market were interested uh, in culture. Um, an adventure market. So that was what we did for the Australia, um, New, um, New Caledonia market. For Australia, we'd organised two families that came in country that time um, and to attend, um, not only experience the games, but also to be able to travel to um, Santo and when as far as the Toba Islands, um, to be able to write some editorials about um, the fantastic opportunity that Vanuatu was organising the games. But at the same time, it's not just Port Vila, it was also the um, islands of Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, other questions from the floor? Sunil? Ah, okay. Sunil? Um, my, my question is uh, to Alexander. That's the last presentation. Oh, okay. And I think it's the only one which perhaps touches on uh, Solomon Islands. Uh, Vanuatu, I see Vanuatu has, you know, broad, you know, policies on tourism, and I think they're on upward trend. But for Solomon Islands, uh, it's a pretty uh, dim picture out there. Would you have some idea uh, what the government is doing in terms of policy and so on, promoting tourism? Mm -hmm. I know it's a you know, huge, huge problem, infrastructure, you know, yeah, okay. in flights and all that. Alexander? Um... Yes, you know, I mean, also if the, the Solomon Islands uh, Visitor Bureau, who is uh, in charge of uh, promoting uh, marketing the uh, destinations, um, one of the big challenges uh, is uh, uh, access of both international and uh, domestic airports in the Western province. 
uh, close to Munda. Uh, for years, there are the talks uh, and uh, conflicts over land uh, rights and uh, land ownership. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have heard recently that this is now uh, almost solved and people are planning towards uh, opening uh, Munda Airport, which would uh, enable them to have uh, direct access to their main uh, source markets. And, Australia and uh, New Zealand and uh, Western provinces, also the province that uh, features the uh, top hotspots of world-class international uh, diving. So this is something they are currently uh, working on for many stakeholders. Uh, new progress seems and uh, is rather slow, but this is in addition to uh, yeah, lack of uh, infrastructure and accommodation uh, development one of the major challenges. Thank you. And uh, oh. even, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Do you want to switch on your mic? Because uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> just make it easier for us at the back to hear. And in uh, Munda, Munda area, Western uh, province, the other question is whether the, the region is actually ready to uh, welcome international flights and tourists from, uh, uh, from abroad on a weekly basis. So it was also stated by uh, local stakeholders that this needs some extra time to, to be ready for uh, higher numbers. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, any more questions? Anything from South Pacific Tourism Organization? Anything in particular? No? Meanwhile, so, okay. Okay, yeah. Question for my colleague, Abby. All right. Uh, we'll go to the question at the back and then and come back to you because I got a question for Abby as well. So we'll start from the from you. Thank you. Thank you. I just have a question for the team from Vanuatu. Mm. Um, how are your taxes comparable with Fiji's taxes? Okay. Your, your tax structure. Your tax structure. Mm. Because we're finding in Fiji where small business owners, especially in the tourism industry, mm. are having a really hard time because of all the, the because of our tax structure. Mm-hmm. When you see what your, your presentation where you have um, Shea Maureen bungalows, how hard is it for Shea Maureen to keep those two bungalows going with your tax structure? Thank you, Lenora. That was a good question. I think for Vanuatu, and I'm looking there and I see Tess, I think she's probably Mm. done something around taxes in Vanuatu, not too sure, but Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of the operators that we have worked in partnership with the Vanuatu Skills (coughs) Partnership Program um, to get them started on their businesses and eventually have now established and are operational out in the market, Um, the taxation system in Vanuatu (coughs) is... um, we don't have income taxes yet, even even though on a policy level the government has been discussing our in, income tax um, um, to be soon rolled out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only have the value added tax, which is VAC. Um, I understand legislation around that is only businesses that under four, um, over 4 million VATO, um, it's mandatory that they register for VAT and pay VAT. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these um, small, medium and micro <coughs> businesses are, part, are still part of the informal sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't make as much money over the um, 4 million threshold. Therefore, um, they don't charge um, VAT as part of their um, invoices. And, and so they don't actually, um, they're not part of the 
old um, taxation machinery. Mm -hmm. um, so as part of the skills development program is we're working with them. And in the last five years, and I don't actually have the data with me, perhaps Director Fremi here from the skills partnership program um, on Lucy or even Warren will probably know. Um, I can't recall in the last three, five years if we've actually graduated um, or there's actually six. Thank you. So there's out from the total number of, I think, more than more than 100. More than 144 operators in the last five years. So this is specific tourism clients that we have worked with in partnership with um, um, this team here. Um, six out of them have now graduated from an informal sector to a formal sector. Um, we're still working with them. This is why we believe that skills development is very important to empower a lot of the local operators. And as highlighted earlier, that hospitality is not something that is um, and the culture of um, just changing um, the way you're working in the um, tourism and hospitality sector to actually um, um, meet the expectations of the um, traveling tourists. So we've always um, emphasized um, training, education, um, at, and at all times uh, refresher workshops. And, and it's quite interesting to hear um, the earlier presenter talking about ICT. This is something that we have done a lot of work um, within the last two years for skills development is getting them establish their businesses, understanding about business modeling, but then it's about, um, now it's about ICT. How do you actually start using a smartphone? Mm. And so mm. it's always about um, awareness, um, okay. training, skills development. Thank oh. you. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. Hello. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yeah, for um, Tishmir, actually, I work with Adela and um, Warren as part of the Schools Partnership. And as Adela's already mentioned, ICT is something we've we've noticed as an area that we need to start adapting some of the training and the workshops to um, and take advantage of this, both mm. from a business development point of view, um, in terms of operations, but also marketing. It was great to get that very high-level economic kind of um, impact. Yeah, a snapshot. I mean, I am but a humble hospitality and tourism vocational educator. Some of that mm. was a bit high mm. level. Is there any way we can get some access to that data for ourselves and for our partners um, just to have a look at it more on a, um, a lay people version, mm. I guess? Yeah. I think with the full paper, it could be much easier to follow up. Oh, thank you very much. It's really mm. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before I go to Alexander, I've got a question in terms of human capital, which is so very important. And given that you've got Clan A and Clan B with such big disparity in them, how does Clan A assist with Clan B in terms of developing any social capital? I think that is so very important given the resources that they get from having Naviti just from there. And how does Naviti also play a part in terms of developing the social capital of the two, Clan A and Clan B. But first I want to know how does Clan A assist with Clan two, the Clan B for that, given the resource that they get from um, leasing the land and all of that. Okay, uh, thank you, uh, Chair, for the, uh, for the good question. Um, in terms of uh, the assistance provided uh, by Clan A, mm. Clan B, uh, there are very few direct assistance, but rather uh, they give uh, a slightly higher portion when it comes to, you know, so if there's a community project, then Clan A would give the lion's share 
in terms of uh, Soli. Uh, okay, through they Soli. Would, yes, mm -hmm. and they also opened the scholarship, uh, educational scholarship scheme, mm -hmm. only exclusive to them. They've also opened it okay. for Clan B. For Clan B. But I think on a broader scale, what I I reckon I can answer your, your question better is to share with you the broader findings. Mm. So what's happened is Plan A, uh, being uh, more privileged, mm. receiving more benefits, uh, have ceased or somewhat, uh, I don't, want, don't like to use this word, but I have become rather lethargic in their approach <laughs> okay. uh, towards development. Okay. Uh, they've been less, uh, uh, compared to Plan B, mm. they have developed opportunity-seeking behaviors. They become more entrepreneurial. That's right. They've gone That's on right. and uh, gained uh, uh, qualifications in Indeed. education. They've traveled Indeed. overseas. Mm. Uh, they've gone on to migrate and mm. marry mm. Uh, tourists. So they've become more opportunity-seeking mm. by nature, mm. as opposed to the Clan A. Mm. Uh, I, I think lethargic is not a proper term, but they've become more comfortable. But I that guess. is where the economic yes, benefits come from, uh, sure, comes sure. as well. So keeping that in mind sure, to balance sure. that. What about the role of Naviti in this Clan A and Clan B? Well, it's it's uh, it's quite difficult because the, they, they had in, signed an agreement some 40 years ago and the agreement have been set in stone. So really their interaction is directly with Clan A. With Clan A. Or with the entire community, mm -hmm. uh, but um, you know, little has been done to mm -hmm. sort of address these disparities. And mm -hmm. in fact, some of these disparities have have only been brought to light. But okay. yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's an interesting. I think we can uh, continue talking yeah. on that. Sure, sure. We have run over time, Thank but you. do you really want to have your last burning question, Alexander? One we'll last. Sure. Sure. You don't want the audience to know your question. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, and I'd like to thank everyone for their participation and attending as well. Very interesting session indeed. Thank you. You have been listening to a podcast from the Development Policy Centre. For more information on our work, visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au. To join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea, the Pacific and Global Development Policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org. At the blog, you can also sign up to our newsletter to get all the latest updates, or you can connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>